0: Welcome back to another episode of Useless Degrees. I'm your host, Anthony Rastigue. And now that we're friends, you may call me Tony. Today, our guest is Jordan. Jordan is a five-time world record power lifter. He is the founding creator of Sciat Fitness, where he provides knowledge and confidence to incorporate nutrition and fitness. And he's helped hundreds of people lose weight and gain muscle. And his approach to fitness is very straightforward and to the point without any bullshitting. And he happens to be Gary Vee's strength and nutrition coach. Today, we're going to talk about turning fitness from a hobby into a business and lifestyle, how Jordan entered this energy-driven industry, and advice for people regarding what it means to be motivated. Now, let's get started. All right. Welcome to the show today, Jordan. How you doing today? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So what you been up to? How you been? Good, man. I, I recently
1: moved from New York to uh, Dallas loving it the the space is great. I love the people, the food I, New York is my favorite city in the world, but uh, I lived there for about five years now I was ready to ready to get out and, and have some more space and live a, a lower cost lifestyle so I'm enjoying it
0: That's such a different landscape too going from the city up to a whole different city down south like that too so have yeah. you have you picked up on any sort of like you know Kind of cultural differences just on a state-by-state basis
1: oh yeah they're 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 everywhere but i i really enjoy it i'm i've lived all over the world i've traveled i've been really lucky to live in many different places and i feel like you learn the most when you put yourself in different situations around different people different cultures different different ways of life so i i really enjoy it
0: absolutely and what made you move to dallas out of all places
1: uh, so we were actually we were planning my fiance and I we were planning on moving to Israel, but the borders were closed because of coronavirus. So we couldn't get into Israel and we knew we didn't want to stay in New York. Uh, just it wasn't really uh, wasn't going well there with everything and everything was shut down. And even though now it's starting to open up, it's still like so many businesses are closed and everything. It just it wasn't the same New York. So we wanted to get out of there. And so we were looking at Colorado, Texas and Nashville. And literally one night we were having a glass of wine and an ad popped up for a building in Dallas, Texas. That just looked unbelievable, like too good to be true. So we did like a zoom tour with the, with one of the sales reps and literally signed the lease sight unseen and moved like within a couple of weeks.
0: So that's a pretty risky move, not seeing it firsthand, but was it worth it in the end?
1: Oh, it was like, we're so beyond happy and excited with, with how it's gone. We've been here actually just over two months now and like, can't believe how great it is. So it was, it was a really good move.
0: And I know the atmosphere of the New York city lifestyle, you know, it's very, you know, full of people that are on the grind, constantly moving, constantly hustling. Do -hmm. you get any of that in in Dallas by chance?
1: Uh, yeah, there's, there's, uh, bits and, and pieces of it, but there's no city in the world like New York. Like there's just no city in the world. That's like it at all. Um, and there's some parts of it that are amazing and some parts of it that are not. And I think a lot of it depends on who you are and where you are in your life. When I moved to New York, I was 26 and I was moving to New York because I was starting coaching Gary Vaynerchuk. So I was living in Tel Aviv in Israel, got the job with Gary, moved to New York City. And uh, at that point in my life, my entire life was work and business and just like that's all I focused on. So being in New York was amazing for me. after being there five years and turning 30 and you know getting married soon and wanting to start a family and actually slow down with work it was like all right being in this environment is actually turning out to be more stressful because it's so grind 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 hustle 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 it's very difficult to get out of that mindset so and being there was almost causing more stress and anxiety so i was like all right it's time to get out definitely definitely
0: well, on that note, let's jump right into it. And so you earned a degree in health and behavior science with a concentration on strength and conditioning. So after you graduated, what were your plans at the time?
1: It was sort of interesting. At that point in my life, I, I had started an online business, but it was like in the really early stages and I had no idea what the potential of it was or what it could turn into. Basically, when I, I got to college, I hated it. Like absolutely hated it. I took a year off between high school and college, traveled for a year, went to the Middle East, fell in love with it. Uh, When I came back to school, I was like, this sucks. Like I absolutely hate it. So I was very passionate about health and fitness. I got my first internship at a a gym when I was 14 years old. So I did that for my entire high school. And uh, so basically what I started doing is I started competitively powerlifting, and putting my videos on youtube and all of that but i also started a website just to write articles about my thoughts and beliefs and what i was learning in regard to strength training and nutrition uh, and i did that i did that the summer going into my sophomore year i started that website in july of 2011. so actually almost exactly 10 years ago um and i would just write one article a week every week post some videos on youtube and you know i was getting maybe 20 views a day on my website probably 12 of which were my mom And uh, I started that and I just did that for my entire college career to the point where after several years, and I think that's like the really important point to remember is after several years, people started asking if they could pay me for coaching online. And uh, I was blown away. I was like, I didn't think that, I didn't know PayPal existed. I didn't know you could make money online. Um, So by the time I graduated, I had enough of of an income from my online coaching to where I didn't need to work at another gym; like I could do it all online, and I really liked the idea of working from my computer. So I I went on a a train a cross country train trip. I was like, I'm gonna go all over the country. So I I my mom lived in Boston; she still does. So I went from Boston to Chicago, from Chicago to Austin, Texas, Austin, Texas to Arizona, Arizona to California, California to Colorado, and Colorado back to Boston for about like a month, just went on this long train trip, met up with different people in the industry and old friends and whatnot. And the whole time I just worked for my computer, like emailing with clients and whatnot. And I was like, wow, this I could do this anywhere. As long as I have Wi-Fi, like I can actually make this work from literally anywhere. So then I went back to Boston and I actually I got a job personal training and, and being a strength coach while doing my online and I did that for about a year or so until I went fully online and then uh, and that was it then I just went fully online from there and that was in 2014 I think 2014 2015
0: Wow so quite literally a whole cross country journey it seems that sounds yeah, like something yeah. that's wild and you mentioned powerlifting too so I'm curious what your day to day was looking like when you were fully focused on powerlifting altogether?
1: Yeah. So I, I was a very competitive powerlifter for years. And that was like, for about, for about five years, I didn't miss a single workout. I strength trained at least four times a week, but even on the days I wasn't strength training, I was still doing training and, and, uh, and conditioning and work for it. Mobility work, blah, blah, blah. Um, I went to, I don't know if you know anything about powerlifting, but Westside barbell, like the strongest gym in the world. I trained there for a little bit, trained at Cressy performance for a little bit. Um, and my goal was to deadlift four times my body weight. I only like a handful of people had ever done that, uh, like less than 10 people in the history of it had ever done it. And I was like, that's what I want to do. So when I was 25, I did that. I finally got up to that. I deadlifted 530 pounds, weighing 132 pounds. And, uh, and I remember I it was in the middle of it was during a competition. I put the bar down and I was like, I'm done. <laughs> That's it. Like my, my day to day was very regimented. It was like, wake up early, get my nutrition in check, train, and then just do everything else with my clients and both training in person or online. And, and that was basically it, but it, it, long days, just mainly focused around my training, nutrition, and then clients.
0: You were doing all of this while you were essentially the owner and operator of science Correct. Yep. Wow. So speaking of that website specifically, what were some of your best methods when it came to growing the clientele and meeting more people and essentially growing the business? The best method was just writing long form articles, which I feel like nowadays is
1: very overlooked. I always say if if I lost everything, if I lost my Instagram, I lost my YouTube, I lost my podcast, if I lost every follower, everything, or if I had to start a business over from scratch, I would start with long form website articles again. Um, there's nothing better than google search engine optimization uh and what people don't realize is people are in this rat race to make more content more content more content every day more content but they don't realize that more isn't always better and still to this day some of the biggest drivers to my business are articles that i wrote between 2011 and 2015. that like to this day you google search something how to stay full in a calorie deficit my article is the first one to come up you Google search like Westside Barbell conjugate method. My article is the first one to come up. You Google these things that a lot of people are searching, and my article is the first one to come up. Like that's what I would begin with. And uh, it's the it's the way I, I sort of explain it. Like sustainable fat loss versus rapid fat loss. Everybody wants rapid fat loss, right? Ra- everyone wants to lose weight as quickly as possible, but very few people can actually do that and then sustain it long term. What p- most people need is sustainable fat loss, and I would say rapid fat loss is like posting on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and and doing all these short form content over and over and over and over and over again, never reaching anybody. Whereas sustainable fat loss is posting once a week, an outrageously well-written, well-researched article on your website, doing that for three years. And at the end of three years, like you're going to have clients for the rest of your life.
0: And so when it comes to something like this and mainly career paths and fitness and nutrition, what are some of the routes that you could potentially go down if someone were to have a desire to enter this type of industry.
1: Could do anything you want.
0: <laughs> like si- yeah, yeah, and like um, ultimately, the first thing you think about is you know the personal trainer roles. At least that's what I think of. But other than that, what are some of the routes that you've seen many people go down?
1: Uh, I mean, I've seen a bunch of different routes. So I see like online strength training, right? Just like you just do online programming for people where they you send them programs. You could do something like. I know, I know many coaches will do essentially Skype calls or Zoom calls where they literally do one-on-one coaching, but through the screen. Um, that became much more popular in the last year and a half, especially during the pandemic. But I'm not a huge fan of that for, for a number of reasons, but you could go that route if you want to work with your clients one-on-one. You could do that same thing, but in more of a group setting, if you have a larger audience, get like a bunch of people on a Zoom call and you could lead a class that way. Um, the way I've done it is I just work with each client individually, but I write them their program. I link them to all the exercise videos every month. They get a new phase. I email it to them. They're more than welcome to video, uh, to take a video of their exercise technique. So I can then analyze it once it's done, but all of the communication is done via email and we don't need to schedule the same hour to be together. It's also difficult. Like if they're in a gym like positioning the phone properly in the gym. Like that's one of the issues I have with the one-on-one zoom calls. It's like, it's, unless they have their own personal gym in their house, it's, it's very difficult to do that. So I prefer just giving them their program via email and, or on an app or whatever you have, and then they can do it on their own and then email you videos. You could do nutrition only coaching. You could do nutrition and training. Um, I mean, there, there's the options are
0: limitless. And do you prefer the in-person approach?
1: Uh, they both have pros and cons, right? So, in-person strength coaching and fitness coaching is is infinitely better when it comes to being able to control the movement to control their weight selection to develop a really like great relationship with that individual but in-person coaching is infinitely worse especially when it comes to nutrition coaching because in in in-person coaching you only see them if you're lucky four hours a week. And that's if they're paying a lot of money and they're coming to you at least four times a week. Most people you'll see maybe one to two times a week at most. And so that means for the rest of the week, they're on their own. But if you're online coaching and you're talking to them every day via email, you can get a much better feel for what they're struggling with, with their eating behaviors, with their emotions, with, with their work life stress, because you're communicating with them via email as opposed to trying to fit it all into a single hour session. So there, there's a lot that you can do in person. There's a lot that you can do online. Realistically, the best of both worlds is probably combining the two together. But I mean, to be able to work with people All over the world wherever they are whatever time zone they're in for a much lower cost nothing beats online
0: and so with the nutrition approach specifically how does that work do you essentially customize their diet or what's your approach to that how does it work
1: uh so there are many different approaches that people could take i generally follow most people come to me for for fat loss specifically right so and I'm not working with bodybuilders or physique competitors or models. Like they often have super disordered relationships with food and I have no interest in dealing with the meticulousness and, and, uh, how, how strict they are. I don't want to deal with that. So I work with just everyday people who do they want to lose fat. They want to get stronger. They want to build muscle. uh, they want to have a better relationship with food. So that really boils down to making sure their portion size is appropriate and, uh, and making sure they're being consistent and holding them accountable. It doesn't mean being outrageously strict. It's like, I give them, Hey, here, your calorie guidelines, here's a range of calories I'd like you to eat. Here's a range of protein I'd like you to eat. Uh, as long as you do this on a day-to-day basis and you have some fruits and vegetables, you have uh, a salad, you ha- drink enough water, you're going to be good. I've always said to my one-on-one clients, I was like, listen, my goal is for within six months for you to be like, cool, I don't need this anymore. Like, I know what to do. A lot of businesses thrive on keeping people in the churn, keeping people in that system forever. It's like If that's what you're doing as a coach, then you're not doing a good job as a coach. Your, your goal as a coach should be after a certain time frame, six months, a year, whatever, they can go off on their own and not need you ever. And that's actually the best way to build a fitness business because that's what's gonna to lead to more and more referrals, right? People are always like, well, I just wanna keep the clients I have now. It's like, yeah, you'll have a handful of clients who stay with you forever just because they like you and you take away all the guesswork, but. For the vast majority of people, eventually they're going to leave and you better hope that you did a good enough job that they can do it on their own. So then anytime someone asks them, well, how do you get in shape or what did you do? They could say, I worked online with this person. I always think the best businesses work on referrals. Like the, the best foundational businesses always work on referrals way more than Advertisements or anything like that.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I didn't even really think about that approach too. I mean, you could cast such a wide net when you go through the recommendations, like you mentioned too. That seems very efficient. Yeah, it's it's like a spider web. You start off with one, and that one
1: person just leads to so many more. And you, go, you, the first person is usually a friend or a roommate. My first clients for online were my roommates in college, and then they, I did I coach them for free. They're like, "Yeah, I'll coach you for free." And then their classmates were like, "Holy shit, what are you doing?" Like, well, my roommates coach me, how much do you charge? I was like 20 bucks and I coached them. Then their friends were like, well, what are you doing? And they told me, I charge them a hundred bucks and the price increases. And over time, it's like, wow, the more people you work with, the better results you get, the more referrals you get.
0: That's amazing. So glad it's working. And I'd imagine that branding yourself and marketing yourself is definitely an important component when it comes to your business. So what do you think helps make somebody stand out when it comes to online fitness and nutrition training?
1: Uh, there's a lot. So you use the word like branding and I think it's important to discuss, like, what does brand mean? I think a lot of people use the word brand and they almost use it interchangeably with marketing, like branding and marketing. They're very different. Um, a brand in my mind is how people feel when they think about you. That's what a brand is like when, when, when you pop up in someone's mind, what's their initial gut response, or they see your face pop up on social media. What is their initial emotional reaction? That's a brand. Do you smile? Are you like, fuck this person? Like, are you, are you excited to hear what they're about to say? Like, that's your brand, the initial emotional response. And, uh, I think the best way to build a brand that gets people excited or happy or intrigued to see what you have to say, or to possibly work with you, is to be yourself and tell the truth as often as you can um there's so many people putting out fake content nonsense content just trying to make more money make a quick buck trying to make themselves look good people can smell that like you can smell it if someone's putting up a front like people we have this instinctual ability to smell bullshit, which is why like the the advertisements that we used to watch when we were young young kids or our parents used to watch like and now you'll burn like this many pounds of fat in just three hours a month it's like there's a reason why those don't really exist anymore because people know it's nonsense like now what people are really buying into is the truth just basic simple truth and if you really want to stand out don't try and like it doesn't mean selling isn't bad but if your sole purpose is to sell for the sake of selling rather than to help for the sake of helping people are going to tell and and, uh, you'll stand out very well if you're just there to help people
0: right it's the genuine approach that gets people reeled in and everything no you're absolutely right and who did you look for or who or what did you look for inspiration when it came to branding yourself and essentially making yourself a no bullshitter i just looked at coaches who i admired who i had learned the most from like
1: guy named Eric Cressy, Dan John, Pavel Satsulin, Tony Gentilcore, Joel Jamieson, Mike Robertson, these are all the guys that Martin Birkin, Lyle McDonald, Alan Aragon, these are all guys who I read starting from when I was a teenager. And the reason that I fell in love with those guys is because they were putting out these super long form website articles that were unbelievably detailed, and I was learning so much from them before I even got to college. I was learning more from them than than I learned in my entire four years of college. I learned that before I even went to college and I was able to show my professors in college, like you're making a mistake. This is wrong. Here's the research. Here's why as an 18, 19, 20 year old kid, like I knew what was being taught to me was bullshit or not because of the free information these guys had given me before. And uh, that's what led me to following that route. I didn't start writing website articles because it was my idea. I was just copying what the people
0: had done before me who had had great success and who I admired. Wow. And so speaking of inspiration, you also happen to be Gary V's strength and nutrition coach. So tell me a little bit like that about that. So what's it like motivating somebody that appears to be so motivated 24 seven?
1: Yeah. So, so I will say I, uh, I coached Gary three years straight, seven days a week. Uh, I, I coached him from June 1st, 2016 to June 1st, 2019. And I haven't coached him since now. My buddy, Mike Vacanti is his coach right now, uh, but still speak with him on a very regular basis. And, and he's amazing. Um, the thing about Gary is, and this is about anybody, like you're motivated to do the things that you're passionate about doing. And you're not motivated to do the things that you don't like doing. And the whole reason that I coached Gary seven days a week for three years straight. And that my buddy, Mike is coaching Gary seven days a week is because Gary hates working out. He hates working out. And he like, he absolutely hates it. And if he doesn't have someone there to force him to do it, he won't. So like he, for, he has the, uh, the finances to be able to afford someone who can literally be there with him travel with him all over the world wherever he is 7 days a week so that's what he did um that that's one of the other great things about online coaching is it gives many more people that opportunity even though it's not necessarily in person you're paying someone to hold you accountable wherever they are in the world gary i mean we would work out 6 or 7 in the morning and he hated it <laughs> like he hated it he was tired he was up that night before until midnight, at one, two in the morning doing business stuff. Like my job was to get him to do the shit that he hated doing because he needed to. And uh, I think it's important. I think he, he would be the first one to say like, listen, I'm not motivated to work out. I don't like doing it. I found a way to hold myself accountable by hiring someone to force me to do it because I knew I needed to for my health. So that's, that's what I think is important to remember is you're not going to be motivated all the time. Most of the time, you're not going to be motivated you're gonna to have to have some discipline and find a way to do the things you know you need to do, even and especially when you aren't motivated.
0: Now, after your years of training, Gary, do you think he's a little bit more comfortable working out or maybe not so much, or how do you think the other trainers handling him right now?
1: Yeah, yeah, so he's definitely more comfortable working out. Uh, he enjoys it more now, but it's because he's seen such great results. Right? so like he's put on a significant amount of muscle he's his back hasn't gone out since i started working with him his back used to go out at least several times a year since he was 18. after i started working with him his back hasn't gone out once which is just like a huge win um his assistant used to only put him on one side of an airplane because he could only bend his neck one way like, and so when he wanted to sleep on the airplane he could only bend it one way so he had to sit on the side that he could bend his neck to so he has much more mobility now, much more muscle mass. Like he looks like he lifts now. And I think in his whole life, he didn't really think that was a possibility. So what it took was a tremendous amount of discipline and accountability for him to get to the point where he saw the results, realized that it was possible. And now he's more motivated to do it because he took the action when he wasn't motivated to do it in the first place.
0: And since he's a pretty motivated guy on the surface level, has he been able to help you out by chance with anything regarding motivating yourself or becoming successful?
1: I think the, the biggest thing that I took from Gary was seeing how hard he actually works. I remember before I coached him, I was, I was just living in Israel and I had my business and like, I was doing well, like I I was doing well, but I was not doing like, I wasn't doing crazy stuff, but I was doing really well. I was living on my own in Israel and like having a great life. But when I started coaching Gary, I saw how hard he worked and I was like, wow, like this is a, a level that I didn't know existed. And so seeing that it's sort of like, you know, how everyone thought the four minute mile was impossible until one person did the four minute mile. And then all of a sudden hundreds of people were able to do the four minute mile. It was like, just seeing it made you believe in yourself and made it, oh wow, this is actually human, like humanly possible. Seeing how hard Gary works gave me a very new perspective on what's actually possible. And uh, I think that's why for those three years, I just went all in and worked harder than I ever thought possible.
0: And why I was able to do so much in those three years. Wow, that's fascinating stuff. And so, out of curiosity, what was going through your head when COVID hit last year and closed all the gyms? You know, I know that you were operating your stuff online, so it was probably something that you've already gotten used to. But now that it was becoming essentially worldwide and mainstream like that, what was going through your head? I mean, first I was like, well, thank God I don't own a
1: gym because I have a lot of friends and colleagues who lost their gyms that they had opened and put every scent of their life an hour and and waking minute into making a great gym they lost it because of it so i felt terrible for them and i was very lucky and blessed that i didn't do that and it was actually really really cool because a lot of my friends and colleagues who I'd worked with for years who resisted going online were like, all right, it's time. And now they're doing amazing things and they have more time to spend with their family while still being able to help people all over the world because they were able to transfer and transition online and to really, you know, put their business in a way, even if they're not fully online, at least like maybe half in person and half online, they can spend more time with their newborn babies and they can spend more time with their, their husbands and wives. And it's uh, it's been really cool to see that transition.
0: That's amazing. And just to take a couple steps back, looking at all of you, that you've accomplished, did you think that your college experience played a helpful role in your current successes or maybe not so much? Absolutely.
1: Um, if nothing else, college gave me the time to spend on my, my online business, right? It was like, it, if I was working full time, I wouldn't have had that time to spend writing articles every single week and filming videos. Like I would have been at a job. I wouldn't have had that opportunity. Uh, unless you're going to like med school or law school or trying to become an engineer, you have a ton of time in college. Like there's a ton of time in college. There's, There's an outrageous amount. And a lot of college students get pissed off when I say it. It's like, listen, I went to college. Like I get it. But if you're taking, if there's any days during the week in which you're taking a nap, you have free time. Like that's it. You can't justify taking a nap and say like, oh, I'm so busy. No, you're fucking not. You're taking a nap in the middle of the day. Like you're not busy. Um, and college was that opportunity for me to be like, hey, like I've got a ton of free time. So I'm gonna make I'm gonna put all of this work and time and effort into making this foundation of my business. And it turned out to work really well. And I got made fun for made fun of it in college. Like I wasn't going to frat parties, I wasn't going out and getting wasted, like I wasn't really dating or anything. And I don't, I'm not saying like that's the right thing to do, but that's what I did. I spent the better part of about three years only working on my website and my business and getting my name out there so by the time i graduated like i could do what i want i didn't have to work for somebody else
0: well jordan this has been a fantastic conversation and i've got one more bonus question for you that i ask all of my guests so what do you think is the most useless college degree (laughs) oh man
1: um I don't know all of the college degrees and I don't know if there is like a a most, a most useless one. I think it totally depends on, here's what I think. I think a college degree in general is very overrated for most people. Uh, If you want to be a doctor, you want to be a lawyer, you want to be an engineer, makes total sense. You have to like, absolutely. Even for me, it's overrated. Like, like it is absolutely overrated to, I am still paying my student loans. Like it's fucking crazy. I'm still paying off my student loans. Like, thank God I have the ability to pay them, but like everything that you could learn in college is freely available online. Everything. If you want to put in the time and the effort to do it and realistically, probably better information than what you would learn in college because, and everyone like puts teachers and professors on a pedestal. My family hates this when I say this, because my whole family are teachers and professors and superintendents uh, and lawyers. And like, that's like my whole family. I was like the black sheep of the family. A lot of people put teachers and professors on pedestals. like, well, they must know what they're talking One of the major issues with the education system, especially at a higher level, is once they get tenured, they have zero incentive to keep up with the current research. They have zero incentive to continue to educate themselves. And more often than not, they keep the exact same lesson plans from the exact same books that they've learned from for years and years and years, and they don't grow as the research grows. So I think realistically, at least based on my experience, you could learn more accurate information on your own if you really want to, than you would going to school and paying thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for it. That being said, if I had to do it all over again, and you realize I'm going back and forth. If I did do it all over again, I would still go back and do it the exact same way I did. Because everything that I experienced at school, all the free time that I had, all of the, like I was essentially paying for free time, right? But like all of that time that I had allowed me the opportunity to build my business or to build the foundation of my business. So um that's what I think. I I think it really does depend on the individual. There's not necessarily a right or wrong answer, but uh, you have to make the right decision for you. And if there's anyone who's like, you know what, I'm not sure if college is for me, don't go. It's okay. I think that's probably the most important message is if you want to go and you have the means to go, go for it. But if you don't think it's for you, don't for the, for a moment, think that you're making a bad decision by not going because you can do incredible, incredible things without going to college.
0: Perhaps the best answer that we've gotten on the show today, I'll have to say. Very good stuff, Jordan. Well, thank you so much for your time. Where can people go to learn more about you and your work?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can find my own podcast, the Jordan Siet, mini podcast, uh, Instagram site, Fitness. If you just Google my name, Jordan Siet, you'll find me on every platform.
0: Amazing. Well, Jordan, thanks again so much for being on the show. Best of luck to you in the future. Thanks, man. My guest was Jordan Syatt, and if you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead and subscribe and share with your friends and family. If you haven't already, go follow us on Instagram at useless.degrees, and go like our Facebook page, Useless Degrees Podcast. Thanks again so much for listening, and I look forward to entertaining you all on the next episode.